It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and boop it up and up up. Welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, May 1st, this lovely, lovely Friday here on the East Coast in New Jersey. It's all sunny out. And what's funny is I actually do not like the sun. I'm one of those people who does not like the sun. That's right. I'm a vampire in a lot of ways. And no, despite it turning May, I will not be making a Justin Timberlake reference. You will not get it out of me. I don't care. Quit asking. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this year, Locked Up Padres Podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on there with any questions you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them here on the show. And today's show, we're going solo again. I'm sorry, guys. I know, special guest Friday, the streak has come to an end. I know, I know, but don't worry. The next, like, bunch of episodes, actually, I'm going to have a bunch of guests, and it's going to be really fun, but... You know, I'm 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 sorry. I'm sorry. It just it just happens sometimes. God, I'm sorry. You know, I couldn't I couldn't live up to the bit. I told you guys that would be the thing, but I, I guess I failed you. Maybe yesterday's like hour and a half podcast on sports movies with two other guests with Gabrielle Starr and and John Chick. Maybe that will make up for it just a little bit. I hope it does. You know, and you have to just hear my voice today. Maybe that'll make up for it. But still, I think it's gonna be an interesting topic today. Today we are talking the the last decade of Padres um, draft picks. And more specifically, that's to say, not all of the draft picks, but their their top draft picks, which basically is all first-rounders with the exception of one year, uh, which I'll get into. But I just thought it'd be fun to kind of give my take on some of these picks and just do a little retrospective. Remind some people who maybe are younger or maybe some people who kind of forgot. Well, who, yeah, who did the Padres draft in the first round of the past few like years, you know? Well, who was it that they drafted? And before I get into it, though, I do want to say, I want to make a point to say that no matter what I say, if I say someone was a bust or whatever, I just for some reason felt inclined today to preface everything by saying, look, man, if I don't mean any offense to any people that were drafted and maybe their careers didn't turn out to be some stud, all-star, all-pro Nike commercial career, but I, I just want to say that. And if you made it to the majors for even a second, you are a stud, and congrats to you because Lord knows I was not very good at baseball. My own personal baseball career, the only thing I was good at – I could field okay, though. I was a good outfielder. I had, like, three outfield assists at one point. I could throw the ball at ho- to home plate or to third base or whatever it was. I played left field. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, left field. I, I was I was pretty okay there, you know, and I, I loved I liked playing third, too. But anyway, I was I was not a great baseball player, so Lord knows. If you made it to the majors, you know, good, good for you. Um, but let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start with 2010. The San Diego Padres with the ninth overall pick select id Karsten Whitson. Who in the world is that? I had no idea who that was because he didn't really uh, pan out to be too much. This is kind of the epitome of what can happen in baseball sometimes. Not just because he didn't turn out to be that great of a player, but also because Whitson kind of, uh, one of the big things with him is he got hurt. And he actually, he didn't get hurt when the Padres drafted him. He actually uh, declined. This is what was so interesting about it when I looked it up. He declined a, a signing bonus of $2.1 million. Uh, Apparently, he was asking for $2.7 million. This obviously shocked the 
the Padres kind of front office at the time. And he stated that he was not necessarily ready for the challenge of minor league baseball. So he opted instead to go to college. And when he was done, he was back in the 2013 draft, but he, and he was still regarded as a a potential first round talent, but he ended up uh, having shoulder surgery, uh, which derailed his hype considerably, obviously before the, before the draft, he ends up going in like the, uh, a much later round, like 37th or something crazy like that. And basically, what could have been, maybe, we don't really know what uh, Carson Whitson could have ever been, but yeah, that didn't go well, obviously, for the Padres, you hate to see stuff like that. Um, and he's now actually a coach at South Florida, so good for him. Uh, I just looked that up, and you know, uh, some things end kind of happy, so this was, it's just to start things off on a, a kind of unfortunate note, yeah, Carson Whitson did not become anything interesting. The rest of that draft... Uh, with the I said like I said before he was the the ninth overall pick. Uh, people taken ahead of him was obviously there were some stars here: uh, James Centalion, uh Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Drew Pomeranz, Matt Harvey, even Delano DeShields. Um, people taken behind him. This will make people cringe a bit, but yeah, Chris Sale was behind him. Mike Fultonewich, uh, Kristen Yelich, Aaron Sanchez, Noah Syndergaard. You know, it, this happened. Even Taiwan Walker was, was, wow, I'm hiccuping a lot right now, was pretty decent at a point. But still, you know, it didn't turn out to be all that much. And, yeah, I, I'm going to bring up each draft for the most part and just look at who the Padres could have taken instead because I think it's fun to make fun of the team sometimes. But still, you know, you, you don't want to be too mean because it's impossible. And I think the main theme I want to stress is also, guys, nobody's got a crystal ball to echo the sentiment of Moneyball. You don't know what these kids are going to become. You don't know if they're going to be studs or if they're just going to uh, wash out and not be a, make it even to the majors, not even have an at-bat in the majors. You just don't really know. So it's easy for you to retroactively look back and say, oh, my God, you could have had Manny Machado instead, or, oh, my God, Chris Sale only went, like, four picks later. Like, oh, my gosh, what a mistake. But you just you don't know. In 2011 now, with the 10th overall pick, the San Diego Padres selected – Corey Spangenberg, you know, another pick that did not turn out well. He did make the majors. He actually had an okay season in 2017. He batted 264 with an on base of 322, which is okay, which is kind of average. Um, I'm somewhat certain that due to his kind of moderately good defensive abilities, he remained in the majors for a little bit longer than maybe he should have, um, especially with the Padres. And I'm pretty sure that. He that's basically the only reason he became kind of a utility guy for Milwaukee for a little bit. And I think he's actually heading to the minors this year after playing last year. Um, him along with uh, Spangenberg, along with Tyson Ross, maybe not necessarily Tyson Ross, but uh, kind of reminded me of guys who the I really feel like injuries derailed their development a little bit. I know Tyson Ross was literally an all star, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like I could do an entire podcast on Tyson Ross. Like that guy was like a really good pitcher a couple years and he was great. He had an over 200 strikeout season, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Tyson Ross was really great one time. And he also, he had some injury issues and then now he's all of a sudden, I don't, I think he's still in the majors, but he's got an ERA of like over five the past couple years. He's kind of falling apart. Tyson Ross is also just one of those guys that, I think we all have players that we don't stop believing in. No matter what, we always have that part of us is like, you know, if the the right situation could have happened, he still could have been good. That's one of those guys for me. (laughs) Uh, Definitely with Tyson Ross, he's definitely one of those guys where I I still kind of haven't given up on him. Can't say the same for Spangenberg, though. He definitely is is not, did not turn out to be kind of the stud that uh, we hoped he would have been, especially infielder-wise. 
And, you know, you look at the 2011 draft, you can't help but shake your head at the fact that guys like George Springer and Jose Fernandez and Sonny Gray and Jackie Bradley Jr. were picked behind him. I know, really, really not great showing there from the Padres in terms of their draft pick, but it happens. Even even Joe Panic, who ended up becoming like a okay, almost a borderline fringe candidate for an all-star uh, selection for the Giants, he would have been a better uh, second baseman kind of infielder than Corey Spangenberg ended up turning out to be. But hey, this is what happens sometimes. Now moving on now to the 2012 draft, the San Diego Padres select id with the number seven overall pick, Max Fried, who, not much to say here. Admittedly, this is probably the least interesting one, maybe, out of all of them, because he really didn't add up to too much. But I, I do admit, while in the majors with Atlanta, uh, he wasn't too bad. He actually had an ERA of 2.94 in 2014, and then got sent down and struggled a bit. He hasn't really kind of uh, made too much of an impact since, but he did show some promise at some points. So I'm actually curious as to why he never really got another shot if he had such a, a decent showing in 2014. But still, I guess that's just... Hey, it happens sometimes, and it's not like the Padres kind of, they. it's not like there were too many stud for sure. I mean, there was Barrios, and maybe even Michael Waka could have been interesting, although I don't think he's all that great sometimes, uh, and Marcus Stroman, Jose Barrios, like I said. Maybe that is, those guys could have been interesting, but they were a little bit taken a little bit farther behind, and you know, this is just what happens sometimes. Now moving on um, to the, the 2013 draft. This is arguably one of the more interesting players we've had so far. Definitely the best player we're going to be talking about so far. And that's Hunter Renfro with the number 13 overall pick. Sorry, I didn't do it in my commissioner voice. With the number 13 overall pick, the San Diego Padres select id Hunter Renfro. Sorry, guys. Almost messed up the bit for a second. Um, I've talked about Hunter Renfro. Hunter. Hunter Renfro before and how last season was a good example of this, this flawed power hitter. However, I do admit, and while I have stressed that I, I love Tommy Famine, I love the 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 kind of gamble, maybe not even gamble, the, the the aggressiveness to acquire him, and he is the warlock. Do not make a mistake. Tommy Famine is the warlock. But I have to admit, I'm a little worried about how this could end up haunting the team in the future on a scale of 1 to 10 for the, like, oh, no, this guy we traded to another team immediately figured it out kind of scale. Renfro is, like, a 5 to 6 for me, because while his early career, you know, you look at it and it's, like I said, very flawed power, strikes out a bunch, doesn't get on base at a great clip. There are definitely some numbers that could be interesting. His early career has actually rated fairly similarly to Chris Davis of Oakland, Chris Davis with a K, who is one of the more prolific sluggers in the game, along with guys like Joey Gallo. The only difference between Chris Davis and Hunter Renfro is Hunter Renfro, unlike Chris Davis, He's actually developed into a pretty awesome defender, defensive war of like 1.6 last year, just to boil it down to one number to give you an idea of it. Um, And he did start off last season kind of on fire. He's one of the better Padres position players um, kind of in general. And then he, you know, tailed off a bunch and started batting like 210 for the rest of the season instead of the 260-ish mark that he was hovering around. And in fairness, though, that was kind of the whole rest of the team. The whole rest of the team cooled down too. I mean, Eric, Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado, everybody kind of, fell off um, towards the second half of the season. But Hunter Renfro, and they also, I believe, traded Xavier Edwards in the Tommy Pham trade. I could be wrong about that. Message me if I'm mistaken. He, you know, I'm not thrilled about the fact they gave up Hunter Renfro. I am thrilled about the Tommy Pham acquisition. However, I must admit, 
the the rays are really good at getting and the best out of players and developing them so maybe that combo of austin meadows and and hunter renfro maybe that turns into some dual power theft for the rays i'm not rooting against the guy but i'm just saying this isn't a home run type of oh we know what hunter renfro is could be even better maybe he's gonna figure things out in the american league this year assuming we have a season and then looking at the rest of the draft, there's not too much stuff here that you're like, oh man, they missed out. Aaron Judge ends up get, getting taken with the 32nd overall pick. Still, hey, I mean, that guy was developing for a while, and even when he was called up, uh, I thought he was going to be one of those Joey Gallo types, like a big power guy who hits maybe like 25 to 30 home runs, but he's batting like 210 the whole season and never walks and strikes out too much. And of course, that's not what happened. And Judge is one of the better players in the game, but nothing too much to fault the Padres for considering their draft position at this time. But on that note, ending with the, the, the Hunter Renfro talk, I want to take a second to talk to you guys about Postmates. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. But I kind of love them even more right now because I can get food delivered without leaving the house or even opening the door. Given what's going on in the world, they created non-contact deliveries, so now when I order from local restaurants, everything gets left right outside my door. They also have Postmates Pickup, which I have been using to order takeout from my favorite local restaurants. Listen up, you guys need to be supporting your local neighborhood spots right now. I've been ordering local because it's a great way to support my community. And Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier by picking up everything I need from Walgreens and 7-Eleven and dropping it off right outside my door. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites, and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. And now, roaring back to my draft talk, everybody. We just got done talking about Hunter Renfro after that short little break. But now, let's talk about 2014, which is, oh man, this this one's kind of a doozy, <laughs> if people remember. With the number 13 overall pick, the San Diego Padres selected Trey Turner. Yes, Trey Turner. You know who that is. He's a stud. On December 19th, however, of 2014, that fateful day, <laughs> the Padres reportedly agreed to trade Trey Turner to the Washington Na- Nationals as part of the like whole player be named later thing. And it was a three-team trade between the Padres, Nationals, and Rays. They also gave up Jake Bowers, Birch Smith, and Renee Rivera to the Tampa Bay Rays and Joe Ross to Washington. And Washington traded Steven Souza and Travis Ott to Tampa Bay. And, of course, Tampa Bay gave us the well the, the much maligned <laughs> Will Myers, who, al- although he did have that first that first season when he was traded there and um, played for them, he was pretty good for the Padres that first year. I don't remember exactly, but I think he actually made the All-Star team. I think that was his, his borderline 30-30 year in terms of 30 home runs, 30 steals. He was actually pretty good that year. But anyway, Sousa, and Sousa was another interesting player. That's a guy who fell off in terms of the, the Rays. He actually had that 30 home run season in 2017 along with 21 doubles, good on base skills and even a hint of speed, but he kind of just fell off after that and barely could hit a lick. And that's kind of the last we ever heard of him. Um, But I think, I think aside from the Anthony Rizzo trade, this one hurts the most because at least when the Rizzo trade happens, people were, were high on Kashner. Just from what I understand, I wasn't really 
paying attention as much to the team back then, but people were kind of high on Andrew Kashner, although people were also high on um, Trey Turner for sure. But I just want to say, like, it's not like I feel like people were like, oh, my God, Kashner is just some decent player that we gave up Anthony Rizzo for. Um, I feel like Will Myers is an example of this guy who a lot of teams gave up on um, him as a player. I shouldn't say a lot of teams. I should say the Tampa Bay Rays were like, all right, he had that rookie of the year season. That's basically it. And then the Padres, while I do agree it would have been it was a nice acquisition, um, trade aside, like I did like that they they went for him. I thought that he was definitely a guy that it was a buy low candidate per se. But giving up Trey Turner even at the time felt like it was a bad trade. Anthony Rizzo becomes one of the better first basemen in baseball. It happens, but Andrew Kashner, I think, based on what I've been seeing, especially from other Padres fans, is that he's one of the great, like, um potential wasted um Padres like this wasn't some guy that was just a middle of the road dude you know like he was supposed to be a star and he just didn't pan out that way and I don't necessarily know if there's a world in which Rizzo Trey Turner and Tatis and maybe Machado are on the same team let's pretend for a second that they are let's just imagine that guy just look up into the stars and imagine what that team would look like I don't think that would be possible with all the money potentially that would be involved but Lord knows who would take um, Anthony Rizzo over Eric Hosmer for sure. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely for sure. Trey Turner, Fernando Tatis? Uh, that's a little bit more of a question. Although I can imagine one of them would move to second if you had them. You know, that's that's obviously a non-issue if they had both of those players. But, yeah, 2014, one of the more infamous ones. And it was one of AJ Preller's first big moves that he made. And while I'm super high on AJ Preller, not a great way to start off. Um, and it's kind of amazing that he was able to bounce back with this with the Fernando Tatis trade. So now moving on to 2015, with the number 51 overall pick, the San Diego Padres select id Austin Smith. Now this was an, a peculiar one, obviously, because it wasn't a, a first-round pick. It was 51 overall. Um, they didn't have this pick due to the James Shield signing, which would have been the 13th pick. And you could be super cynical and say that with that pick, they could have taken guys who uh, went behind that 13th pick, like Walker Buehler or Mike Soraka. But... You know, let's not do that because I don't think that those guys really exploded until recently. I don't feel like those guys had this astronomical hype at the time or even when they were in the league. Like, I don't think people expected uh, the all-star from Mike last year and the borderline Cy Young season from Bueller. Um, I, I just don't think that that was what was expected. And that was just one of those weird, I still don't know what, like, that's such an arbitrary weird rule that if you sign a guy, you forfeit your first round pick. It was so weird. And that's why James Shield wasn't getting signed. I remember, like, talking to a friend of mine, like, this was one of the those, like, fun baseball stories where it was, like, this decent uh, pitcher who definitely has something left, and he just won the World Series with the Royals, if I'm not mistaken, that he's not getting signed because teams don't want to give up that first round pick which is so weird and honestly looking back and since drafts aren't a guarantee I'm actually a little bit surprised that maybe more teams weren't aggressive on that Padres end up ended up doing it and being aggressive but still very odd but in terms of you know as many late round later round picks I should say go Austin Smith basically hasn't done much of anything like I said it happens really didn't turn out into anything didn't really do much in the minors either as a pitcher ERA that was floating at seven at one point not much there but hey it happens with second rounders sometimes and that's really all there is to say there. But that one, that draft is really just remarkable for that weird rule that they, that weird contract, whatever thing it was that you lose your pick if you don't, if you sign James Shields. So that's, that's just an odd thing. And I felt it was worth talking about. Now, moving on to 2016, we're starting to get into the current uh, prospects of Padres baseball with the number eight overall pick in the 2016 MLB draft. The San Diego Padres select id 
Cal Quantrill. Very uneven in the majors so far. I've talked about this in some earlier editions of the podcast. Has had regularly kind of a high ERA. However, however, let me just say this. There's actually some numbers out there, and you guys can check out. There was a little bit of breakdown by Dylan Chase at uh, Gaslamp Ball that you guys can go check out. When he moved to the bullpen, his numbers were really really good and interesting. Now, I do think that this upcoming season, and I talked about it, is kind of, assuming we do have a season, was more of a a make-it-or-break-it season for Cal Quantrill, at least, you know, in terms of him being a a good prospect, and the hype really has gone down for him, for sure. Uh, Maybe he's a post-type sleeper, for sure, but maybe he has potential in the bullpen, you never know. I mean, I talked about Drew Pomeranz and how I like that signing, because he's another guy who didn't really succeed as a starting pitcher, and when he moved to the bullpen, he was elite. So maybe that's what Kyle Contrell's future is. Padres are expected to have one of the best bullpens in all of baseball, might have the best bullpen in all of baseball, and Quantrill, if he replicates kind of those numbers he had um, for a little bit while he was in the bullpen, um, can really speak volumes to that. And maybe even he'll get another shot at being a starting pitcher. Um, but I don't know if he's necessarily going to find room, given that they have Paddock, Denelson Lamette, and... Joey Lucchese, and also Garrett Richards, and then Zach Davies. Those are probably the five-ish guys, I'd say, that I would expect to be the the starting rotation come opening day. So I don't know if he's necessarily going to get a start, but he might in there, and maybe he'll make that make the best of the opportunity. But for now, keep an eye on him in the bullpen, or whatever. Keep an eye on what happens with Cal Quantrill, but it's true. His hype has definitely succeeded quite a bit since then. And now, moving on to 2017, with the number three overall pick, the San Diego Padres select id Mackenzie Gore. Of course, top parenting prospect in all of baseball. I've talked about it at length. By most standards, he's the number three across all of baseball in terms of prospects. We do need to calm down. But, but, really what I wanted to talk about the most is Ari Leinhagen of Fangraphs wrote one of the great scouting reports things ever and i'm going to read it in my dramatic kind of voice here we go this is my theater audition gore pitches the same way a great horror movie villain lurks and ambushes from the shadows the strange balletic way he hoists his leading leg and hands as high as he can as high as he can before he pedals home builds fear of the unknown and dread anticipation the same way eerie music portends someone's cinematic demise then gore lunges home with a huge stride one that takes him slightly down the first baseline and gets right on top of hitters creating more discomfort then suddenly the jump scare the ball explodes out from behind gore's head and blows past flailing hitters at the letters banishing them to the dugout until their sequel at bat a few innings later it's pretty good, right? I don't know. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Amazing. It's uh, Eric Longhead of Fangraphs. You guys check that out for the whole thing. Not much to say else than looking forward to seeing him pitch and looking to seeing how he does. I know he's struggling in spring training, but still, uh, spring training does not matter. <laughs> guys, remember that. Now for 2018, the with the number seven overall pick, the San Diego Padres select id Ryan Weathers. I don't really have much to say about this one. Not much to report here. He was at one point number 70 on the top 100 prospect rankings. And it's kind of fallen out because he struggled a little bit so far. People are wondering if he's if 
that's just it. If he struggled and maybe he's just, we're already kind of finding out that he's not one of those top level prospects, but still too short of a time period. If he was on there at one point, there's a reason that he can land on there again and maybe kind of be an interesting uh, piece for the Padres come in the future. Um, so there isn't really much else to say about 20, 2018. So let's move on. And in 2019, of course, the last one with the number six overall pick, the San Diego Padres select id CJ Abrams. He's another one of the team's current top prospects. Like I said, uh, um, Ryan Weathers used to be in one of the top prospects for the teams, but he was bumped out, partially due because of the rise of C.J. Abrams, along with the aforementioned Gore. There's Luis Patino, Luis Campizano, and Taylor Trammell, who I'm super high on. I'm super high on Taylor Trammell, guys. He's obviously the one with the least amount of playing time, so there's not much that I can really say and analyze, but everything I've seen says that people are really high on the guy and that he could be a, a potential you know, really good player. And first minors action output has been pretty unsustainable. He's hitting around like 400 and kind of the A, double A kind of teams last year. But uh, one thing that is interesting is apparently a lot of the scouting reports are saying he shouldn't actually be a shortstop. He should move to the outfield, which is interesting. And I actually think that the Padres organization is in general probably stretching or stressing, I should say, the need for other positions besides shortstop right now because Tatis Jr. was good immediately, as everybody knows. That's really all there is to say about that. Um, And that's it. That's the decade of draft, of drafts, I should say, for the Padres, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed me talking just really quickly and really briefly about all the picks, just a little bit of a retrospective look at the team. I actually might want to go and do some older, older drafts, but I actually think I might want to have some, some guests for that. But instead, because, you know, I'm a little bit of a schmuck. I've said before, I'm not super smart. And I've said, you know, surround yourself with smart people. So maybe I'll have some guests on to talk about maybe even this draft. If you guys want me to go even deeper on like the the James Shield and oral history on the James Shield signing and how ridiculous that was. Right. In terms of what you guys can expect in the coming weeks, or I should say the coming week. Next week, of course, we got the next quadrant for the sports movie Madness Bracket, which has uh, an incredible, incredible matchup between. 42 and Bull Durham that we got really into and it was really hard for us to decide among many other matchups. It was really fun talking about that. Remember, you guys can expect probably like uh, one part per week, at least for now. Maybe when we get into the later rounds, we can uh, we can go uh, multiple per week. But also next week, the Moneyball podcast has been recorded with my friend Jason Burke of Locked On A's. That's really fun. We dive deep into the movie Moneyball, my personal favorite uh, baseball movie that's been made and probably one of my favorite sports movies ever made, if not my favorite. And then we also get into, I give a pitch for what I want the Padres, if there was a movie based on the Padres, what I would want it to be about. Stay tuned for that, guys, next week. And that about does it, of course, for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. My voice cracked a little bit there. Uh, Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, blah, 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 Uh, Overcast app, what have you. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And also, if you guys would do me a favor and tell your smart devices to play Lockdown MLB, hosted by my man Sully. Also, check out Sully's podcast, Boulder a Minute. I was on there to talk about Bull, Bull Durham, the movie, <laughs> and it was really a lot of fun. I was on there for two episodes. It was it was a blast. So he's the man. Uh, but definitely listen to his national podcast. He's killing it, doing all types of what ifs and alternate histories, and just covering every team and really finding a way to. He's he's just so good at covering the the core of what makes the the baseball so fun and special. You know what I mean? He really is a great narrative storyteller when it comes to that. So shout out to Sully. Uh, and until next time, and until next time, stay safe and of course stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.